0: What do you do if your company has multiple lines of business, a B2C component, a B2B component, but you're responsible for building the brand and marketing across all channels? This is a challenge that Pamela Herman faces with her team at OnQ Financial. Today, I bring on Pamela to talk about this and her journey into marketing and the corporate world. But before we get into the show, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and this show is brought to you by CAVE. CAVE is a social media first Creative agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow. So if you need help with content creation, running paid advertising, head over to cavesocial.com. They'd love to help you out. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Mind Your Marketing. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is the VP of Marketing from OnQ Financial, Pamela Herman. Pamela, how are you doing? Great, Jordan. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm excited to have you on and get into this conversation. We talked a lot off air about some good stuff. So before we get into some of the challenges you know, that are facing brands today around messaging and how do you stand out, I want to first pass the mic to you and let you set the table for the listener. Give us your background. It's a little bit unique from maybe what we usually hear from those who've done consulting and worked in corporations. So give us the rundown. How'd you get into this crazy world of marketing and to where you're at today?
1: So it was interesting. In the early days of local marketing, I was contacted by somebody in my network and they said, hey, we're going to put together a small mastermind. And what we're going to be focusing on is Facebook paid ratings and reviews. And basically, how do we drive local traffic? And again, this was probably 12 years ago. So early days, right? And I just leaned right into it. I'm like, this looks really exciting. I'd love to be able to help what I would call main street businesses. These are the people who have the courage to hang their shingle up and just go all in on their idea. So anything I can do to help put or buyers or customers on their path who are looking, especially in those early days of mobile, right? That's really what I wanted to focus on. So I spun around in that area, really worked a, a lot with economic development, speaking around the country, helping Main Street businesses with these concepts. What happened was I started getting a lot of clients that were bigger than Main Street businesses, and one of them was a technology company. They were in mortgage lending technology. And they said, hey, we could use your help. So I came in as a consultant. Eventually, they offered me a full-time role. And so I literally went like a salmon swimming upstream. I went in the opposite direction than most people. I went from consulting into corporate. And from there, working four to five years with this organization, I went into lending on the lending side of the house. So the people that were my customers, I was now working for one of them. And here we are today with OnQ Financial.
0: I love it. Now, what was that like getting a boss and things like that? Like, that seems like something people who are in the consulting or entrepreneurs, very they get used to that. The freewheeling nature of it a little bit, right? And like, I set my own schedule. I have my own thing. I have a direct set of deliverables that I go in. I'm kind of a mercenary, so to speak, you know, at these companies. And I can come in and really help with maybe one part of the funnel or what have you. So how was that like getting into, because I've never done it. So I'm very interested on like, what's that like, you know, from the first day in, right? (laughs) Yeah, like I'm very intrigued.
1: There are positives and negatives or pros and cons to every scenario. You're spot on. When I was a consultant, time freedom is the thing that I valued the most. My son at the time was playing high school baseball. He was playing club ball. I could travel when I wanted to take my laptop with me. And I absolutely loved every single day of the week. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know what days of the week were, right? It just didn't have any relevance to my world. Moving into nine to five structure was definitely painful for me. But the thing that kept me awake, I would say I would wake up at 3am with cold sweats was my pipeline. When I was a consultant, I was always worried about, you know, what's going to happen four months out. So good chunk of my time was spent on business development. And that just comes with being a consultant. So While that was a pain point or a challenge while I was a consultant, when I moved into a full-time role, swear to God, Jordan, two years after I started, I would still be surprised when I would see money in my checking account just magically appear because I used to have to hustle so hard for that. And when it would just magically appear, I was like, this is lovely. This is exactly like I get to now do the work. And so there are trade-offs to it. So doing the work was what I love to do. I love doing production. Having a boss now, I was really lucky because this guy was an old school marketer. He didn't know a lot of, you know, the new media type of approaches to market, didn't really understand digital as well. Like he was a marketer from the 80s, but he gave me a lot of latitude. He gave me a very long leash to ideate on a high level to really explore what the business could look like with absolutely no restraints and gave me a big budget. And so I could not have asked for a better. Transition point. He just really let me do my thing. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Loved it.
0: I love it. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, from the outside looking in, the corporate structure gives you the ability to really, okay, I got one team one goal one project i have to worry about seeing this all the way through and getting us to launch date or whatever number we have to hit or building that one brand opposed to in the consulting game it can be i got client a client b is coming to the end of their term and i got to get client c up and running and it's like like that you know, waking up in the cold sweats is very much. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well,
1: I mean, you raise a really good point, Jordan, which is that you know when you're in consulting, you have this width, and you have to have really good depth across all these different skill levels that encompass marketing. And it's getting wider and it's getting deeper, right? With every day that ticks by, technology is changing so much about the way we market. About consumer behaviors are changing and how they're using technology. And we have to be able to map our work to their behaviors. Economics are changing and. So so with all of these market forces changing, when you're a consultant, you have to be able to bring it full tilt in whatever thin slice of your offer they're going to take advantage of, right? So going into consulting, really and This was one of the reasons why I really leaned into it. I just had a natural curiosity would my end-to-end array of offerings work in a corporate structure, right? So I know that it works on a consulting, but I've never really had my entire process stacked up end-to-end with one organization and test the whole thing. And I was so relieved to see that it did. And so it validated a lot of my just unique approaches to marketing. And that was just a huge win for me on a personal level.
0: I love that, right? To hear that too, to be like, oh, it like... The stuff I was selling and doing, it works. And to see it. It actually works. Yeah. Like that kind of, you know, the validation kind of, right?
1: Yeah. Now we've got a a huge team that I'm managing. So what's happened with my, my depth of expertise, it's actually gotten shallower. I can't know everything to the degree that I did when I was consulting. I'm managing people, I'm managing the technology, I'm managing the processes and everything that we're doing to improve the way we go to market. So what I'm seeing is that my expertise level has gotten, you know, where it might've been six feet deep before, now we're up to one feet, but it's gotten wider, right? So it's, you know, again, it's trade-offs, but now I'm parlaying that deep knowledge into great, how do we execute against this broader business objective, like I'm really embedded in driving revenue for the organization. That's completely different deliverable than you would see as a consultant.
0: hundred percent. How is that now, you know, managing a bunch of people? Has that been like, were you a lone wolf before kind of when you were a consultant, would you come totally in a like, a, like a surgeon and kind of fix whatever was needed to be done? And now you've have direct yes. reports and people coming at you with requests and stuff personal things and you got a coach and like how does that all work out
1: it's challenging in large part because the entrepreneurial spirit that i know that i have not everybody has, right? And I can't coach or even expect people to think the way I do because I just recognize that it's unique and it comes from a different place. And there's a, I just call it scrappy. There's just a scrappiness that I have. There's just a curiosity, the ability to synthesize information quickly and make decisions. Very few people have that. So how do you manage, hold people accountable, level people up so that they can meet me where I am? That's really where I've had to be very adaptive and say, okay, well, what is An acceptable quality of work, knowing that I work at a different level. And I don't say that to sound egotistical. It's just, I want things done this way. (laughs) It's real. I have a very high expectation for deliverables. And so the challenge from just coaching personnel around that is to say, here's what my expectation is on the quality of work. And I'm sharing this with you because what you shared with me was your career aspirations. And I'm here to help you get to that point. And my expectation is if you want this over here, here's where you need to level up. And I can take you there, but I'm not gonna drag you. Like you're gonna have to meet me on the path. And so coaching them around their aspirations and less about what I want from them is really the angle that I've taken on it. And that way I get a higher level of ownership and just say, you know, do you want it or do you not want it? This is your call,
0: you know. I've always approached that. It's interesting you say that because I think you're spot on. I've always approached it on like a like I played sports my whole life went to college played and it was like good coaches bad coaches right and had a bunch of them and it was always the good coaches were like i need you like the feedback was instantaneous you're not good enough say i threw an interception or something right hey you threw the ball to the wrong guy i need you to throw it to the right guy because we are trying to win as a team and it's like (laughs) oh boom 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 and i could process it easy right it wasn't like throw it to that guy because i want you to Right. And I've always thought about it like that too, with coaching is letting people know the vision, where we're going, why. And then for them too, individually, Hey, you want to get to here. Okay. I'm going to help you get there. But like you're saying, giving that feedback, you want to be world. Everybody says they want to be world-class, but then it's like, if you do, okay, here's the pathway to do so. And here's the pathway to do that work. So I absolutely love that. Uh, I do want to transition the conversation a little bit to a challenge that, a lot of brands face and you are navigating it right now with on cue, which is when you have a bunch of different personas or even just business models, B2B, B2C, B2B to C. I thought I was going to mess that one up, but I got it. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of letters. (laughs) How do you go about that in one prioritizing a channel, maybe not from a monetary perspective, but from a brand perspective Two, not risk coming across as kind of like the we're everything to everybody brand you know which is a challenge and people go through that like how are you all approaching growth but in the same way you know Carving out the niche, or saying, "Hey, this is a company we are. Here are the customers that we help." Like I know in housing and mortgage, you know, you can't break down the customer too much, but the ideal customer for y'all. How do you handle that challenge with all those different business lines?
1: Yeah, no, you're spot on. There's inherent complexities with the business model of OnQ Financial. We lend directly to consumers or to borrowers, so there's the D to C. We have a B2B element through our recruiting of loan originators, right? That's how we grow revenue is we recruit people who bring a book of business over and we do everything in our power from a marketing perspective to support their growth, right? Then we have another business line that is all about the working with credit unions and community banks. So we'll buy the loans that they have uh, taken application for and closed. We'll pick that up and we'll put it into our portfolio and nurture those borrowers. So there's that angle. And when you think about that in addition to the OnCube brand as a whole, you can see already the inherent complexities. We have different business drivers that drive revenue forward. We have different personas within each of them. We have different solutions for each of them. We have different sales strategies for each of them. And marketing is working with each of these lines to support them. So that's not one marketing plan, that's four marketing plans. (laughs) So already we've taken what one business might be dealing with, one business model, and that's inherently complex. And then you multiply it by four and you can see like you've just taken the red pill and you're now in the matrix. And it's a very dimensional game, a lot of complexities. What you lay, are on top of it these market forces i was talking about okay we're in a commodity business people are shopping for mortgage loans based on price and when you're a commodity and you're only being shopped on by price, then the only differentiator are your people. right? Perhaps your processes, maybe a little bit of technology, but for the most part, it's about the relationship and how are you doing it differently. So when I think about branding across all of those different business lines, what I'm always looking for in a sea of sameness, because we're in a commodity, what are we going to do to stand out? And so to me, I always go to funny, quirky, how can we... Just take something that's super painful for bars and just come across as being real, right? Yeah. And what, where are the notes that we can take from other industries where they have to kind of snap that experience as a audience and say, wow, these guys are different. They're goofy. And I, and I like that. It's relatable. So that's really the angle that I'm taking with this whole thing is just make us very different.
0: It's interesting, right? Because in the mortgage space in particular, when you have, not only do you have to build the brand and people have to trust, hey, when I do an application and give you money, this is real. And I have title on the home and blah, blah, blah. But two, the brand is being represented by MLOs, right? LOs and, or loan originators for the listener. So people who are actually going, you know, you kind of like your account rep, so to speak. So you have to go through and they're representing an the brand every time, too. So it really comes into like, that's right. Not only getting people who have a big book of business, but also people who can do business the way that aligns with your company, right? Where it's like the whole shark salesman type just get them in. We just got to get loans processed, lowest number. All right. That's going to have ramifications on the back end. And that's in any business. How much of the messaging, or is there training, or how do you get the loan originators to really? encompass the brand and represent it, I guess, the way the company would like? Does it start with recruiting and just making sure you get the right people in?
1: Sure. Great question. I love that you tapped on this because this is, again, when you think of the complexity of the model, you have the overarching on Q brand, right? We have very clear messaging around that. But then you have these loan originators who have their own personal brand. And where I really just immediately went for a drill site, and this tapped back into my consulting days, working with entrepreneurs on Main Street. It's no different what what these guys are doing. You've got to build that personal brand. You've got to understand how to locally market. You've got to know your competition because you're fighting for every deal that's out there in your community, right? So building that personal brand, to me, this is where I go deep with them. So from a retention standpoint, when you're in a commodity business, you've got to think about what additional value can I add that can make this experience better for them. So I immediately went to, let's drill down into helping them build a personal brand. So when we did our ideal customer profile of this loan originator, we said, we really want to find these people that are in that mid-tier, people who have perhaps leveled out. We've now moved out of a refinance market. Interest rates are going up. We're now back into a purchase market. This is where the rubber meets the road with your brand. You're really going to know what your brand value is because money's not walking through the door with when it did with a refi market. So now what we're doing is really deeply embedding and adding that additional layer of value to say, let's help you now reset your personal brand. Let's do a full audit. How do you show up in Google? How are you showing up locally? And now let's come up with a, a strategy, a brand strategy for you. Content, everything that has to do with social, ratings and reviews, let's just really amplify who you are in the market. That's where the drill site is for me to really, like I said, add additional value. And I think it's huge value because this is where they're going to grow and add more revenue. Good for them. Good for our brand. Um, and then at the same time, really helping to anchor back to those brand values and making sure the values of the organization are being fed through their brand.
0: I love that, right? It's that whole thing of if you treat This is for any business. If you train the people who are your front lines and the people who are communicating with customers properly and really invest in them, invest in their development, see where their aspirations are, like what you were saying at the start, maybe with other team members, that's going to permeate down through to the end customer. And they're going to say, oh, I like working with OnCube. It's the same way. And for a listener, if you're like, I don't know, maybe. Okay, if you walk to a W hotel and let's say somebody named Stephen helps you at the front of the W Hotel. You don't walk away and say, oh, Stephen was really great. You walk away and say, the W Hotel is really great. And that's the difference that we have to lean into. So that's something I think that we can take and look at from really any business line is like, customer service is serving the customer. And if you do that right, you're going to see your business grow.
1: 100%. I was going to say, no, this is well-researched territory. People will drive further and pay more for great service. So that's unequivocal at this point in time. That experience and everything to me is about the experience. Used to be about engagement. Engagement was kind of the metric we were going for. Now it's like, deliver a great experience. Those engagement numbers will follow. It's just a lagging indicator that you're delivering awesomeness. Right. So that's really the cream of the crop. So I think of loan originator experience. So they're my internal customer. I want to make sure they have a five star experience from my marketing team. Right. So that's primary job. I know that if we can deliver five-star, they're going to refer their other loan originator friends to our business. So that's good for everybody. By extension, they're going to understand what that model of excellence looks like, and they're going to extend that to their borrowers. So it's really just got this beautiful multidimensional benefit to the organization. So we really anchor back to everything's
0: about experience for us. I love that. I think that's a good place for us to wrap this one up. Pamela, thank you so much for coming on today. For anybody who wants to one, connect with you online and two, learn more about OnQ, where should they head?
1: Well, you can always find me lurking around in LinkedIn. So just look for Pamela Herman. There's two R's, two N's. Um, happy to connect with you there. OnQFinancial.com is where you can learn. Please don't judge me based on the website. We're in the process of redesigning it. <laughs> So no judgment, please, for us on that one. That would be awesome. But Jordan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I feel like I could talk to you for hours.
0: Amazing. No, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of learning. Thanks again for coming on, everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, I am your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch y'all next time. Uh,